Right now is a season of joy, but if you don't pay attention to this one aspect, your expenses, um, the season of joy is gonna be quickly, very quickly, the season of sadness because tax season is the next season. We were doing our own end of year planning, going through our numbers because it's opened up a lot of good conversations. Because you look at these numbers consistently, it got us to the end of the year in a good place. <laughs> Merry Christmas, and here's your tax bill. What's up, everybody? This is Albert Chow with Stephanie Postles of Mission Daily. Listen, right now is the season of joy. Everyone's having fun. Everyone's thinking about how maybe you got through a tough year. You're having a good time. But if you don't pay attention to this one aspect, your expenses, um, the season of joy is going to be quickly very quickly the season of sadness because tax season is the next season so if you're a business owner out there you're probably trying to figure out what to do with your leftover profits to see if you can spend some of them down we're going to talk about that today yep so this is super timely because albert and i literally just got off a meeting minutes ago where we were doing our own end of year planning going through our numbers for anyone who doesn't know or hasn't listened to a previous episode albert manages all of our finances for the most part i handed that off to him what do you think three years ago maybe and I yeah, never so, looked back. <laughs> you're like, I can't deal with this. <laughs> yeah, I was great. I was like, you know what? I've done all my finance that I need to do in my life. I ran billion dollar P&Ls. I feel complete. Now you can do this and help me. And it's been really supportive having, you know, someone else actually running it at our company where it's not me because it's opened up a lot of good conversations in a very non-emotional, not biased way. Albert brings stuff to the table that I wouldn't think about. So today we were going through um, our end of year books, um, which we've done. I mean, every, every year. year now, every, every year we year. do it. And there's a lot of decisions that we have to walk through. And some of these come so easy to Albert that I was like, we need to hop on the mic and go through, you know, Albert's assessments, how he thinks about the company. <laughs> and like, there's always key things that we zero in on that I'm like, I think more people should know about this. So that's what I want to do here today is Albert, have you kind of walk through your AA, which is the good AA of Albert assessments. So. <laughs> and not an audit. We're calling it Albert's assessments because I was using the term audit earlier and he did not like the term. Audit. Well, I, I said an audit is always bad. I've never been. I've never I been don't view like, it that you're way. You're getting an audit. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. I know. I Give it like to I, me. I constantly audit every aspect of my life and areas which I'll just change the word. We'll assess. We're assessing things here today on Mission Daily. So whatever <laughs> makes you feel happier. But first, I want to jump into the first thing that we were going through earlier which I don't, this could be relevant to some businesses, which I want you to kind of talk through, yeah. but we are going through the margins at Mission and how to think about them. And so I want you to speak about how you think about margins for our company and other companies, because you are part of another company as well. Like, how do you think about what the margins should be? If you just high level look at a company's P&L, like when you think this is good or this is bad, if you can walk through that. Yeah, so every dollar of margin is flexibility. And that's, that's the first and most important thing I want everyone to think about is like when you have flexibility, it gives you optionality to invest. It gives you optionality to save. It just gives you optionality. So you're looking for the best margin you could possibly make. Uh, I live by a two philosophies that govern how I make decisions. One is I don't want bad dollars. And two, I don't really want to work that much. And let me explain how that in impacts how I think of that things. The first thing is I don't ever want a bad dollar. A bad dollar is a dollar you earn, but it causes outsized stress if it causes outside stress on your company, whether it's through labor, whether it's through deliverables, whether it's through timelines um, or people, 
It doesn't matter. What it does is it cuts your earnings margin every single time. There is no time when you, it doesn't cut your earning mar, earnings margin, and that's where all the stress comes from. And what happens when you get a bad dollar typically is, like in our world, the first version's not good enough. Hey, I want another thumbnail. Hey, I want a new cut. Hey, I cancel a lot. I'm going to cancel all these meetings so you lose time. These things kill your margin. You can't tell right away because the dollars look the same because, for example, your payroll looks the same and your cash looks the same. But it's killing you in other ways. Your ability to service other customers, your ability to say yes to other customers, maybe it's employee turnover. So I don't want bad dollars. That's philosophy one. The second philosophy is I actually don't want to do that much. And I know that sounds insane uh, because I end up doing a lot, but I always come in with a goal I don't want to do that much. And in order to not do that much, I have to have a good business with a good healthy margin with happy customers because that if those things are true, then there will be less for me to do. So how do I figure those thing, two things out? The first thing I was taught a long time ago, which is your cost of goods sold cannot ever creep over 50%. So this is pretty simple. So like if you're in if you're in sales and if you're selling a physical product, just like you were a retailer, you couldn't allow your cost of goods sold to get over 50%. What ends up happening is all the other costs of rent, general and admin, people, payroll, uh, advertising, all that stuff comes out of the next 50%. Well, if, they, if you have, don't have enough pie, that's a call it a piece of pie. If you don't have enough pie, either everything else has to tamper down or you'll make no money. You'll work super hard to make not that much. So a grocery store is a great example of this. So most grocery stores need a margin of 30%. Um, and this is because grocery inventory is highly perishable, right? It dies. They can't sell it fast enough, right? So, and then grocery stores are also... Famously, they only bring down 2% of their bottom line. So think about like a grocery store like Kroger. For it to make, you know, if it sells $100 billion, it'll make $2 billion. But the other way to think of this is like, man, they have to manage their cash at a $100 billion level to make $2 billion. Now, you might say $2 billion is worth it, but I'll put it in a different perspective. What if it was only hundred grand? Would you ever invest hundred grand to make two grand? It's like, yeah, that sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what a grocery store has to do, right? And so they're always trying to squeeze these things out. So when I look at our business, our business is services. So a lot of people out there have services businesses. A lot of people have software-based businesses. Um, or they have some people have uh, software-enabled services, like they teach courses. Uh, so that's a different ballgame because your cost of goods sold is much lower. Um, but we're a services business. Typically, we need a person to make a podcast, which can only be sold once. It doesn't really get sold again. Uh, we aren't in the game of big popular podcasts where we can generate a lot of outsized revenue. Uh, not today, but we don't. Except for Mission current. Daily. Which... Mission Daily does generate advertising revenue, so yeah. we can make an episode. Our episodes are fixed costs, and we can actually have uh, cash flow. It varies based upon how popular this show is. So there's a lot of upside in that, right? And I, and I don't like it when uh, <laughs> I don't like it when I hear. People say that they are in the course business and that it's really inexpensive. And then you ask them, like, well, how much how much does it cost you to make a, like a, a class? And they say, oh, you know, it's like a week of work and stuff like that. And it's like, how much are you paying yourself? Like, well, I'm not paying myself yet. And I was like, but you, but, but that's your cost. Like, that cost is that. And, like, how much are you selling? I was like, you know, I sold, like, 300 bucks. And I was like, well, unless you're telling me you're worth less than 150 you've lost money. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's that's what I, how I think about it. Like your time is worth $150 then. Mm -hmm. Which we actually you, talked about this in a previous episode after I read that Buy Back Your Time book, which I still yeah. highly recommend for anyone to figure out what is your dollar per hour that you yeah. are worth. And that right away, I mean, I have so many friends who are coaches as well. And I think the same thing. I'm like, 
yes, your margins are very high because especially if you're putting out a course that you don't have to be a part of as much anymore. Yeah. But it took you three months to launch that thing. Like that's, that, that's very expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's actually quite expensive. So you have to divide all your earnings by all the time that you did it. And some people have ascended to a point where like, of course, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I follow Justin Welsh. Justin Welsh is all about solopreneurship. And I think he personally does like five million a year mm -hmm. by himself. So like, yeah. yeah, yeah, he could spend 80 hours a week. He'll still make money. Yeah. Um, but other people, they don't quite value their time right, I think. Like if you break it down, you might be like, man, I actually make less than, uh, you know, than someone at Home Depot. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But <laughs> I will say. I forget who I was listening to the other day where they're like, when you're starting off and your dollar per hour that you're able to earn is so low, you might as well try everything and spend your sure. time in ways that, you know, you wouldn't normally, like as you get older, you'd probably be like, ah, eh, that's not worth my time. But in those early years, just probably say yes and try everything because Well, especially <laughs> when, yeah, especially when your Delta is really small. So uh, mm -hmm. a good example would be like, um, if you're in a low income, it's like your annual salary is $30,000 to $36,000. It's just $36,000. So you're making $3,000 a month. You're working at least 160 hours uh, in the month. Mm -hmm. So then you start realizing, wait, I think I'm paying myself. I am paying myself $15 to $16 an hour. Mm -hmm. Like you don't even realize it. It's like, oh, that's exactly how much I'm paying myself. Yep. Yep. That's good. Okay. You know I mean? Bring it back to our 50% margins, cost of goods sold. What so, else should we think about that? So the, the quickest math to do, so I always think of things as like, unless something's, typically I, I, I always say also, if it's not clearly obvious, it's probably not that big of a deal. So mm -hmm. first thing I always look for really quick is, is my payroll at least half my income? Mm -hmm. It's the quickest thing to look at. At least or under half? You want, excuse me, at max, at yeah. max half, because we're yeah. a services company, at yeah. max half. Like it cannot get over half because yeah. we still have, we still have long-term liability. We still have rental facility. We still have a lot of software and subscriptions. We have mm -hmm. marketing and advertising costs. So these are all costs on top. So if it gets over half, I know this is a hard dollar to make, mm -hmm. right? Is it a bad yeah. dollar? Not quite a bad dollar, but it's, it's at least getting harder. Like now yeah. it's getting harder, right? If you take your total, so you take your total income divided by your total payroll. Now, if you're also an equipment company where you need a lot of equipment to fulfill the order, you should add in all your equipment costs mm -hmm. into to that 50% number. You got it. So like, yeah. uh, I also manage the books over at diesel Jack media. Diesel Jack media is we make TV shows and, and commercials, those cameras and lenses. So expensive. Yeah. I, I didn't realize cameras were so expensive. And by the way, did you know if you make an original production, you need uh, production insurance. You actually need oh. production insurance, errors oh. and omissions insurance. Yeah, Cause people will sue you because they, yeah. Hey, you told me it's gonna be in the credit. I'm not in the credit. Like, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, your guys' business is more expensive over there. So yeah, super you, expensive. You have more expenses to think about and depreciation to think about and just things that we don't. We did have at one point, but not as much now. But yeah, so you're saying add that into that 50% number. The other thing that's crazy about the actual video production business, especially if anything's moving, is lo equipment loss, which people don't think about. Like I saw a commercial with a Ford, uh, Ford, uh, like Ford pickup truck, and as they were driving, like you know, they're hanging the the camera from a rig. The camera fell off. It was a hundred thousand dollar camera, just dust. <laughs> so if you're doing, so that's why, like, like the business of making action sports movies, like super expensive, like <laughs> really expensive stuff. So. So that's that's the that's the big challenge is if you're a heavy equipment provider, meaning like we can't make what we 
are paid to make without this equipment, then you have to roll that in. So roll in your equipment plus your labor. That will tell you. If you're at 50% already, you're already cutting it close. Because a lot of companies also spend, let's say, 10% on marketing. So let's say, let's go backwards. If you want to make 10% margin, you have 10% advertising. Well, now you're left with 30% to handle all your insurance, tax, excuse me, insurance, liabilities, um, additional potential costs like rents, general and GNA, um, all the other things come out of that last 30%. So that's what becomes challenging. The other thing that owners often don't think about is um, it's not as big of a deal for us, but a lot of middle managers, they don't actually fulfill the work. So yeah. they're in that 30 <laughs> They mm-hmm. They completely yeah. eat that next 30%. Yep. They just Because they're not actually. in the cost of goods sold because they're not making the work. They don't make the thing that the people are buying. Mm-hmm. You know, if they weren't there, now they'll tell you, hey, I'm, I'm a people person. I get, you know what I mean? I manage, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like imagine Stephanie's my engineer and Jeremy's my engineer. Well, I manage Stephanie and Jeremy. And I'm like, but I thought Stephanie and Jeremy got the requirements from the product team. Yeah. The product team sets the requirements, but I make sure they do it. Yeah. So, but Albert, what do you do? It's like, I'm a people person. <laughs> I, keep the, I keep the vibes high. <laughs> the vibes high. The vibes are high. Without, without me, there's a... Right? And the other thing that people always forget about is cost of sale. Now, usually cost of sale is the, the owner um, for most small businesses. The cost of sale is the owner because in a small business, a lot of times people buy the person first, especially services. Right. Like if you were a personal accountant, you'd be really hard pressed to sell a single job without meeting the customer. <laughs> like it's not going to happen. You know, I mean, you can't have a sales guy that's like skeezy be like, I'll do your accounting. Well, who you'll do the accounting? Well, Stephanie will do the accounting. Can I meet Stephanie? No. <laughs> probably, probably won't do a deal. So cost of sales in there too. Because marketing is actually the dollars you spend uh, outside, like on Facebook, billboards, whatever. Um, and so different businesses have different numbers that work, but in general, I think of cost of goods sold plus equipment to as part of the cost of goods sold. So payroll plus the equipment necessary and the raw material costs has to be under 50%. If it gets mm-hmm. to 50%, you're like starting to you're starting to get there. Yeah. That means which you're I working think, really hard to make a dollar. Yeah. Which I think, I mean, if I think about our year, the reason we're even coming out where we are now, which is pretty good, even though we lost accounts and revenue was down and marketing budgets were cut. I mean, there was a lot of turmoil in the market for like what we sell into this year. And I think because you look at these numbers consistently and you're coming back and pressing me, like we got to lower expenses quickly. We got to change this quickly because that's your guide. It got us to the end of the year in a good place. Uh, So I think constantly keeping track of that and then, you know, reassessing the work, you know, the people that you have, the expenses you have, the rents that you're paying, whatever it is, and figuring out a quick plan to readjust if you're going above that number. Yeah, that's that's how it, that from there you can start looking at the different areas, but that's the first area I look at. It's like, oh, dude, if all this is there, then then um, you know you can look at other areas. But I always think to myself, you want to manage the biggest thing first because then yep. that's going to have the most impact. Yep. Okay, so let's move to one of the biggest things for most companies. So first we talked about, you know, your margins, cost of goods sold, all of that. The second thing that I know we talk about, and we can talk about it here at Mission, we can talk about it for Dieseljack, whatever company it is, it is 
payroll and employees and how to think about that because that usually is the biz- biggest expense for most companies. 100%. Um, and one thing that I think is interesting that you've had us or that you and I talk about or that we do is thinking about what the workload is that an employee is carrying, um, which I think is also helpful because you have a number for what you think you know, one employee should be carrying on average. Uh, so I'd love for you to share your thoughts around that. Yeah. So a lot of people will try to make reasons why this can't be done. I always think, well, I'm just, I just need buckets. I just need some guiding. So think of before you do an assessment, I would tell anyone listening is like, you don't need exact numbers. You need directionality. You just need to know, is it getting bad or is it getting good, staying the same or getting worse? Because your big changes aren't going to be fractional. They're usually, I think, big. So in the services world, typically you're going to think about, well, how many accounts did you service? Accounts or the dollars they service, right? So it's either got to be accounts or it's got to be the dollars. Uh, usually it's going to be the dollars. It's the easiest number to do. So you take a person or a team of people and you add up, this is how many accounts, paying accounts they serviced across the calendar year. Then So that's their that's their book. The total dollar value of all the accounts they serviced is a book. I would only include, I generally only include accounts where they're spending what I believe at least 50% of their time on. You know what I mean? So like meaning 50% of the time account, this account asks for something, this person works on it. That's a key. In, in, so, so if you're, you know, you, you helped out one month, I love that. It's great part of being a team player. But it's not how I would go about assessing um, your carry. So you have to, the account has to need you or rely on you for more than 50% of the time. And it's probably your account. All right. So then I take, a, I take all the personnel of, of their, um, that service, that account. And then I just look at that book. And remember before I said, if it's 50, it's high, right? So Wait, 50K. 50%. It's with 50% of the book, you're getting high, right? Mm -hmm. Because the business needs to clear enough margin to pay for all those other things in between in order to drop a profit at the end of the year. So So, let me make sure I understand. So you're saying if the salaries of that group of people is more than 50% of the contract or the revenue that's coming in. On the book that they carry. Or is it profit? Revenue on the book. Okay. It's always against revenue because profits will come from. Profits yep. will come from um, your allocations. Okay, so, so if salaries are above 50% of the revenue coming in, it's getting too high. Exactly. So if it's 100000 of salary and it's bringing in one fifty, it's a problem. If it's $100,000 of salary and it's bringing in 200000 it's probably a problem. You probably got to watch it. You're not going to go broke, but you should watch. If it's $100,000 bringing $300,000 or more, I don't know. It's not, my, it's not my focus. How about that? Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, do I squeeze and a little more juice out of there? Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's generally not a problem because inevitably there's a, uh, you know, the Bezos way, like I make three decisions a day and that's good. It's like you probably can't solve every single problem that there is and you can't optimize for everything. That's that's my belief. But you can definitely, if you hit the big ones, you should be better off. That's how yeah. I, the way I think about it. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So that's super helpful. That was our second one. The third one that I wanted to go through was runway. This is something that I have been asked a lot of like, how much money do you keep on the books? What do you do if you have profit? How do you think about next year to prepare? And I always say like, we don't really prepare because we don't know what's going to happen next year, but we do yeah. have a number that we stick to. So what is our number of runway of how much money we keep in the I bank? Like, I like 3x payroll. 
3x mm-hmm. expenses because your so your your payroll or people you payroll's people right like so i i want to know that if i have enough money to carry people for the next 3 months if you have less than 3 months of payroll and you don't and you can't forecast more cash coming in I mean, that's a challenge. You know you're going to have layoffs are imminent, right? And I just personally prefer to tell someone sooner than later because I think that's not cool to, you know, if I know it's bad, I'd rather you know and maybe we can come up with a solution. I get it that 99% of people don't want to hear this news. I get it that 99% of people you tell this to, they don't want to help you. Like They'll just be like, oh, I'll collect a paycheck and go find another job. But I'm looking for that chance that someone can help me. And sometimes you find it, sometimes you don't. But in general... I've not been hurt more by letting someone know. So I tend to let people know. Yep. Yep. Okay. So three months. Um, all right. Moving on. Cause we're moving quickly through some of these prepaying the, things. But, but now this oh, adds up to your tax liability. So now we're here. Oh, wait, sorry. What? Oh, okay. We're going to prepaying things. Yeah. No? So this, so this, so yeah, prepaying things, right? So, so now you have profits on the year. You kind of forecasted your runway. Now you have a Delta. This delta is going to be how much you're taxed on. So you can look at it. So this is where you can start saying, where am I going to make investments next year? And that's where I, I get fired up about. It's like, hey, I'm going to invest in this. And sometimes, straight up, you're not going to have enough money, so you're going to have to make cuts. right? And no one wants to make cuts, so we won't think about cutting things, but we'll think about investing in things. right? You want Hopefully, you have some cash to make an investment. You want to lower your profit number as much as possible so you don't have to pay taxes if that's your goal. Um, if that's not your goal, then I don't know. Pay the tax <laughs> collect as much as you can. But if you've already paid yourself enough salary and you have a delta of whatever number that is that you that you have, this is where the coolest time to make investments. And do yourself a favor and don't invest in furniture, which is actually what we we were joking about in our previous call. Like so many companies invest in furniture because yep. it's expensive as shit. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so they fill their budget. I got new tables. I mean, but- at least maybe invest in, I don't know like a company car, if that is something that you can use with your company, like that's when I would think because of, you can accelerate the depreciation so quickly on it. It's a larger expense. You'll use it for a while if you need it. I mean, or prepaying things, prepaying insurance. Yeah, but you're better prepaying. off buying the car in uh, on a loan. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're not better what about off the down buying payment? the car up front. What about the down payment part though? Okay. Yeah. Uh, if it's yeah, if you, I mean, if you need, I mean, like I know, I'm telling you right now, a Ford, shoot, I don't even know what kind of van it is right now, but it's expensive. Like one a of those Sprinter Ford, van. Like, yeah, it's but Sprinter's Mercedes's brand. Like we got a Ford, <laughs> you know, what I mean? but it's still like forty grand. It's like forty fifty thousand dollars, and it's like a giant tub of metal. I mean, I don't know why it costs so much, but it's expensive. I have one. I pay five hundred thirty eight dollars a month on it. It sucks. Well, there you go. See? Okay, so prepaying things. What are some expenses that people don't think about that you should maybe and the only time you would prepay is if you're you trying have to Yeah, if you have a surplus. But my thought, I mean, if I think about us this year, we don't have a huge surplus. And so we don't really have that big of a need to prepay because we actually might want those expenses to fall into next year where next year I'm betting that we will make more profit, you know, we'll have more revenue coming in next year. And so it might actually be better for us just to push those expenses to next year. Whereas this year, our profits aren't as high as they were in previous years. So I would think about that, but. There you go. The other thing to remember is like your tax obligation isn't that much per dollar. I mean, potentially, right? So like why accelerate all these costs just so you could save, you know, like corporate tax 
22 cents on the dollar. You know what I mean? Like 22 cents. Like, is that, I wouldn't run into a bad investment to save 22 cents. That sounds yeah. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's, that's I only do it if you need those expenses. <laughs> like the furniture. Do not buy the furniture yeah. and think that you, you've done something great for yourself. It's like, well, got me a new chair. <laughs> <laughs> got me a new $10,000 love seat. I feel good about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes, your office needs furniture, but the problem with furniture is you can't sell it and it doesn't help anyone make your product or service faster. Not that I can tell. Um, you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> unless you, yeah. So yeah, okay. So then sometimes you should accelerate some of the expenses. Sometimes you shouldn't. It just kind of depends on if you have a huge tax liability coming to you and you're like, yeah, well, I don't want to just blow it all in taxes. Then yeah, finding expenses that you can accelerate, which might be ones that you wouldn't always think of. Like I said, I think the insurance, I think rent payments, if you can, I think marketing spend, if you can kind of like prepay a balance. Um, yep. I think there's just things like that where you're like, I know I'm going to be spending money on rent for the next six months anyways. And so prepay it, prepay it. Maybe there's a lot of software expense also that people tend to prepay like software uh, sales reps love the end of the year because a lot of people will buy uh, or prepay big, big chunks of uh, big chunks of the next year's software subscriptions that they need. So that's a pretty good investment. Um, other big investments that people make in general, I think about the things I want to invest in in my opinion, is more about what it can earn than what it can save. Because, you know, what does Cody Sanchez say? Like, you can, the most you can save off of a dollar is a dollar, but the most you can grow off a dollar is infinity. Right? <laughs> so you, like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't save, if you're a, we're, like, we're consistently one to $1.5 million a year business, if you, we can't save our way to $2 million. It's not going to happen. So, so, so if we want to make $2 million, we have to grow somehow. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather yep. invest in something that can grow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which we do. I feel like we're pretty yeah. good at that. We do it. Right. You can we save the two million dollars if we only make one? Probably not. No. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Nope. And also that's just well, you know me. I'm like that's boring. I'd rather not. I'd rather have some more experiences and things to try out. And well, you can't. From it can't be done. Like it's it's just literally yeah, that, and it can't be done. Be done. <laughs> yeah. That's it. It also can't be done. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If if uh, we could get our costs down to like you know, even if we got our costs to zero, we just a team of volunteers does mission, and the business makes one point five one mil one to one point five million. It's still the most you can make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's still a ceiling. Yep. Yeah. All right. So the last thing I did want to go through, which I think a lot of people get confused, and because everything we've talked about now, I think this will be a good piece to touch on is the difference between deductions, tax deductions, and then tax credits. Ah, yeah. What's the difference? Okay. So you can get both a deduction and a credit and people are like, I thought those are the same things. Like it's not the same thing. So a deduction. So let's go off of a hundred thousand because it's always the easiest number in my opinion. So let's say you make a hundred thousand dollars of profit. You were going to get taxed on a hundred thousand dollars of profit. Every deduction you take there lowers your tax base. So if you have 50, like, let's say you go back to furniture. Let's say you like willy-nilly spend $50,000 in furniture. You will now have $50,000 in profit. So next year you get taxed on $50,000 and that's what you're going to owe for taxes. A credit, there's different programs and this is where you need to talk to your accountant. But the IRS has different programs where if you're investing in certain categories, whether it's people like the ERC credit, there's an R&D credit. If you're trying to build software and technology, it's a credit. And what a credit is, is a prepayment 
to next year's tax. So follow along. Is a fifty thousand dollar deduction better than a fifty thousand dollar credit? Well, let's I want take the a credit. Look. Yeah, huh? I want the credit. Give me that credit. You want the credit. Trust me, you want the credit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you get a fifty thousand dollar deduction off of a hundred thousand dollar tax, so let's go off a hundred thousand. If you get a fifty thousand dollar deduction, your profit goes to fifty thousand dollars. Corporate tax is around 22%, so you're going to owe $11,000 at the end of the year. So at the end of the year, if you have $100,000 of, prof, um, $100, of profit, $50,000 of deductions, $50,000 of net profit, multiplied by the 22%, you're going to owe $11,000. So you're out of pocket eleven. dollars You have $50,000 of furniture, <laughs> and you'll have... Uh, $39,000 in cash. Yep. Sounds cool, right? Sounds okay, but tell me what my credits would be. All right, so <laughs> let's go. If you got $50,000 in credits, so you're not going to take a deduction, you will pay taxes on the 100000 So your taxes are 22%. You're going to be left with $78,000 in the bank, but you'll have a $50,000 credit to apply towards your taxes next year. Now, what did I just say your taxes were? $22,000. So next year, will you pay taxes if you make the same amount of money? No. No, because you have a $50,000 credit. Yeah. And then the next year, you make another $100,000. Same thing. Mm -hmm. Will you pay taxes? No, because you no. have leftover. Because <laughs> you have leftover. You can carry over your credit. So there's these different programs, R&D, ERC. The ERC was a one-time thing, which, by the way, we have not been granted. It's amazing. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> we literally filed for that, like, what, two years two ago? Two years ago. Jeez. Well, the IRS actually announced it's pausing. It's, like, pausing all IRS. Like, they, they're ones. so far. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we, we are getting credit. it. Do huh? not manifest the terrible. Not that it's that big. <laughs> We're fucking getting it. <laughs> so there's diff So deductions are through what you spend. And credits are for, it's like specific categories. And so talk to your accountant about what credit, what are the expenses that are credits? Because if those are what we, what did we just say? We want to invest in growth. If there's growth projects there, I say do the growth project because you might be able to deduct the cost and get a credit because you're going to deduct the cost, meaning like, Hey, I have to pay for software. I have to pay for people. I have to pay for, so those are all expenses. But then you get a credit for doing R&D. So that's the kind of thing that you want to be mindful of. They're mutually exclusive. A credit is its own thing. A deduction is its own thing. Sometimes one project can have both deductions and credits, which is people are like, what? Yeah. Like, yes, and that's, that's what we did. So we personally were able to take advantage of the R&D tax credit, which is very helpful to our taxes. And I think you can get both with that. But that's something that, you know, like I said, if I could relook into that for this year, I would probably take some extra money and invest it in projects that we think could also help the company, but also would be classified as R&D. Yeah. Just because it was a helpful tax credit. Yeah. And uh, one last thing for people who think, oh, I just claim it's a R&D. The process for going through credits is not easy. Typically, it's delivered through a third party. You need like a third party to evaluate it. Um you get interviewed a lot for them and the evidence you have to show that it is a credit worthy is substantial. So it's not, it's not nothing. Right. And, uh, I think Nick Huber, 
talks about his cost seg for real estate process. Same thing. It's you pay a company to do a cost seg analysis on your real estate, and then they will produce a cost seg um, tax deduction or fully accelerated deduction or whatever. The, I think it's deductions uh, or into depreciation. So they're like fully accelerate the depreciation of your building, even though you haven't paid for it yet. You know what I mean? You're paying monthly payments. <laughs> um, they, they, they have, there's ways to do it. And it's for people who make like huge, typically what you'll, what will happen is people have huge years in real estate because they, um, because they sell, sell a building. So if you like, you sell a million dollar building or you make a million dollars on a building sale, you pay taxes on a million dollars. So if they took 10% of that hundred thousand dollars and bought another building at a million dollars and then did a cost seg analysis on it and got to pull all the depreciation forward, they would make zero on the year. Yeah, real estate's a Even though a they paid space. 10%. <laughs> yep. Because in real life, they have $900,000 in the bank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. All right. So there's well, all these, like, there's the credits. Definitely talk to a, a, an accountant on that because uh, it's not easy. And it almost always involves a third party. Like, I, I, I can't think of a single credit you can take that the IRS will just grant you without having a third party certified company say that you have a credit you know what i mean yeah no <laughs> like yeah we've i mean not that, encountered that yeah I, the r d tax credit was really intense i mean the erc one same thing and we had someone else do that for us i'm looking at some of the other tax credits you can get like empowerment zone credits where you can get three thousand dollars per employee if you hire people in like a distressed area yep so I'm like that's a, zones yeah I'm like that's a great credit and that'd be you probably have a lot of proving that this person lives here and here's their salary and i also work from there so yeah, got to do your homework, but I do think that if you are able to get these, they're great and, yeah, even preferred over, you know. Oh, they're 100% uh, preferred because the deduction, you only save 22% of what you have deducted. Mm -hmm. People forget that. A credit is 100% of yep. the credit. <laughs> yep. You get to save 100% of the credit. That's a big difference to me. Yep, I'd say so. <laughs> All right, any final uh, end of your things that you think I missed that – we should go through. Yeah, for sure. If you're, a, well, I don't know if you missed, but if I were just to tell anyone who's a small business owner is trying to, you know, arrive, it depends on your goals. Of course, that's always the first caveat. But I was thinking to myself, hey, for me, I always wanted to be easier. So I think to myself, hey, what, where will I invest my money? The big thing that Stephanie and I talked about is, and we agree on is you should, once you've right-sized your team, you have to invest in something that can grow your business. It is foolish, not foolish, but you just can't save your way to more. Like you can only save what you can save. You can't. You just can't. You can't grow savings. Um, now, if you're telling me you want to invest in something, fine. But at the end of the day, there should be an investment somewhere, and that's and that's I think a universal one, no matter what business you're in. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I think uh, we can have a whole other episode thinking about how we think about investing in what, because I know some years we've done like riskier investments and some maybe paid off and some didn't. And that's the name of the game. It's like, okay, and move on. Um, but figuring out like what that strategy looks like and what are the big bets you're making? What's the upside potential that you could have from that one investment? Um, I think it's always a good end of year thing to think about for the next year too. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's incremental, even if it's incremental, I don't know, like just, but you should be investing in growth for sure. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yep, I agree. All right. Well, I hope this end of year 
Albert Assessment episode helped y'all listening. Let us know what you think. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and uh, give us a rating and review. And thanks for tuning in.